Hello, everybody, and welcome back to MarTech Masters. I'm here today with Wendy Pease. She's the president at Rapport International. Uh, hi, Wendy. How are you doing? Thank you for being here today. I am doing great, and I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. That's awesome. I'm, we're going to talk about multilingual stuff, languages, translations, and I think I'm the perfect host for this kind of situation because I am... Spanish is the as a first language, English is the second language. That therefore my accent here. That uh, I know a lot of people say I don't have an accent. I definitely have an accent. So thank you, uh, thank you for putting with that accent, everybody. Uh, Quieres hablar en español? Podemos hablar en español, por supuesto, por supuesto. Hoy por todo. <laughs> por todo, por todo. <laughs> so what, why don't you tell us, Wendy, a little bit about yourself and what your role is as a translation expert and what you do at Rapport International? Okay. Well, um, I, I speak the language of business. So I speak some Spanish, French, and Italian, but really I'm here to, to run the business. And the experts that we have working for us are fully bilingual, like you. They know both languages down in depth and understand the cultures. So we offer 100% guarantee on our quality. Um, and we can talk about a bunch of ways as how you can actually tell quality if you don't speak the language. So the company has been around for over 30 years and I've owned it for 16 years and I've got an incredible team that loves to pay attention to details. That's awesome. Um, and I love working with them. That's awesome. That's awesome. We're going to talk about why, why is it important to translate and all that stuff. So uh, I'm very excited about this episode. So, so of course, these are trying times, right? And businesses are trying to grow, um, especially if you have a business that can grow internationally. Uh, right now, you're limited because you can't travel, you can't create events, you can't go to specific events that you were going to go. So how have you seen some companies like adapting and, and actually doing international uh, business uh, from home, from the office, from, from your local place in, instead of traveling and doing all these things? Well, it's actually a fabulous time to start doing online marketing and developing all your inbound mm -hmm. because everybody's shopping online mm -hmm. where they can't go out. I was just reading something that um, like ketchup and mustard, the sales of those have skyrocketed because people are shopping more at home. Mm -hmm. So if you think about accessibility, you're not trying to get foot traffic in, you've got people from all over the world that are that could come across your website. And Google, um, they have about 2 trillion searches a year. And that breaks down to about five and a half billion searches per day. And half of those come from outside the United States. Mm -hmm. So like you said, if you've got, you know, if you're a dry cleaner, you know, it's probably not worth going after the international crowd. Well, we'll talk about the non-English speakers in the United States later, that's a market. But if you've got something like a technology or product that you could sell internationally, this is a hot time to do that. Definitely, definitely. I love that you also mentioned the local market because sometimes we completely forget about that. And we're like, well, why would I translate? I don't work with South America, but People from South America live around the corner and they buy your products, right? So you have to think about that too. Yeah. No, people prefer to buy in their native language. Mm -hmm. And here in the United States, the Spanish speakers make up the second largest country of Spanish-speaking people in the world. So Mexico wow. is number one. The U.S. is number two. And then you start thinking about all the... Where are you originally from? Argentina. 
Yeah. So yeah. the U.S. Spanish-speaking population is larger than the population of Argentina. That is which insane. I'd like to go there. Yeah. yeah. That is insane. That's definitely insane. And 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 again, businesses do not even think about this. So let's talk a little bit about what you do and how you do it. But before you've talked about this before, I've been in your presentations and they're awesome. What's what are step grants? Because it looks like this is a huge opportunity for business for doing this. Yes. Yeah, so you brought up earlier where people are limited from travel. And they used to get step grants to help them travel. So step grants are, I, I can't remember what they're, what the step stands for, but they're grants that are put out, it's money provided to the states by the federal government that the states then administer grants to companies that want to sell international. Mm -hmm. So people used to apply for step grants to travel and go to trade shows and meet people internationally. They've expanded the program to actually help people with their inbound um, marketing, with their internet selling. It can be provided to optimization and to translation. So oh. it's a great opportunity. And if you just Google, like in Massachusetts, it's called um, Mass Export. In Rhode Island, it's called the um, Chafee Trade Center. Um, so if you just look for step grants in your state, um, you can come up with the link on how to apply. And not only is it getting, you know, basically free money if you do the application for the grant, they have fabulous training because to balance the trade, you know, the, for the balance of trade where you're, you want to keep imports and exports about mm -hmm. the same, we import so much. The U.S. government has always, whether they're Republican or Democrat, want to support um, people who export here in the United States. We don't do a good job of it. And so there's tremendous wow. opportunity for help and getting money to help you expand and do that. That sounds great. Free money. Uh, who doesn't want that, especially to grow your business? Yeah. So keep that in mind. If you are thinking about expanding your business, step grants can be an opportunity to put some money into translations and getting your website into other markets, right? Right, right. Awesome. Oh, exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, and they've, they've done studies that um, even though people are fully bilingual, 90% mm -hmm. prefer to be on, in, on uh, websites that are in their native language. 72% will spend more time on a site that's in their native language. And well over half are willing to spend more money if the information is in their website. And 42% won't even buy if it's not wow. in their native language. And these wow. are bilingual people. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. It's not, it's yeah. not, we're not just talking about people that don't know English and they need the translation, but actually people that know English, they use it every day at work, they use it with their kids, they use it with school, but they would prefer to go to a website that is in Spanish or whatever language that they are in. That's yeah. awesome. Well, think how popular Telemundo and Univision yeah. are. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got people who are speaking English all day in school and then they come home and the family's speaking in English and Spanish and they've got Spanish speaking TV on. And I get a real kick out of it. I'll turn it on occasionally because <laughs> I love seeing the advertisers. You see Carl's Jr., <laughs> Honda, Toyota, oh, Target, yeah. all the major car manufacturers. So obviously, you watch it, right? Yeah. No, it, yeah. It, what, what happens is also it brings you, it's a connection with your roots. It's a connection with your family. Your grandma uh, used to speak in Spanish. So, like, you don't, you don't 
connect your grandma with English. So all of a sudden, if you listen to things in Spanish, there's an emotional connection to that. Oh, right. I hadn't like, even thought about it that, that way. So it's a warm and fussy when you're watching the ads that are in course. your family language. Of yeah. course, it has everything to do with that emotional connection from being a kid and being in a family that speaks a specific language. And, 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 the, and the brain creates all those those chemicals that makes us happy. So I think it has everything to do with, with that. At least that's how I see it from my perspective. When I, when I have conversations with my wife, who also is from Argentina, um, we have them in English. If it's a transactional thing, like we need to buy bread or whatever, something like that. Uh, but we have, you know, our feelings and all that stuff. Those are conversations in Spanish because it's like, it has to do with, your feelings and not a transactional situation. So I think the whole buying more, spending more time, it has absolutely everything else, everything to do with that emotional connection in the brain. I love that. I love that because I knew that from an advertising standpoint. Yeah. But here you're even talking, you know, I love you or honey or something. Exactly. You don't it say it in English. Like you language. could text it in English and stuff like that, but it has more meaning when it's in the native language. That's, it's crazy. It's, it's something that happens in the brain. So it's very, very interesting. So what is an accidental exporter? That's another thing you, you've talked about. Uh, and, 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 and you, you were mentioning these opportunities. Talk to, talk, talk to us a little bit more about that. So an accidental exporter is a company that has a good website and it's being found international. And then all of a sudden they're finding out that people are ordering and they didn't even develop a strategy to target that market. Mm -hmm. So before the internet, it used to be somebody had to go into mass export and say, you know, I'd like to go international and they roll up their sleeves and they say, okay, where's your, your target audience? Who's going to be your, your ideal profile client, do all the research and strategy, go over there, make introductions, find a distributor or decide to hire and go through all this whole process. Now people are finding, huh, even if I've got something that is desired internationally, I can put my website up in English. But then the smart ones are realizing that if I translate, even if it's just a landing page with the products we want to target in that company, in that country, we're going to increase the number of sales by adding that translation in. Mm -hmm. So I've been surprised at the number of people that I've, that are accidental exporters that are coming to us for translation. That's amazing. And, and we've seen that too. If you analyze, and this is part of what we do, right? If you analyze the traffic that's coming from different countries or you review your customers or your leads, if they're from different countries, if you're shipping things, it's very easy because you know the shipping address or something like that. Uh, and, and then you analyze that you're getting a lot of people from this specific country or this specific language, uh, then you can create those. And, and it's funny that you say chest the landing page because we've had that, uh, that way of doing it for a long time. I used to do a lot of websites in fully English and Spanish, like everything completely translated. Absolutely every page is in both languages or three or 10 or whatever languages. And then all of a sudden we realized that if we had a landing page with what's important in the native language, that landing page becomes super, super um, active on for people that are on that language and they have everything in one place and it's easier for them. So the translation doesn't have to be this incredibly complex, time-consuming, expensive thing. It could be something that is targeted, specific, 
and to the point to your specific audience, right? Yes. Yes, awesome. absolutely. And we had a um, client call in and he said, look, I, he sells research. Um, and people from China wanted the research because it was all about what consumer products, electronics were selling well online. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to know because they wanted to know what to produce. And he said, I want a way to email and translate emails to go back and forth. And so we ended up saying, well, what about doing a landing page hmm. with the five main questions that people are asking? I don't, do you know Marcus Sheridan's They Ask, yes. You Answer book? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it's fabulous. You just go read that book, figure out what questions you have to answer, mm -hmm. put a landing page up there, a little bit about us and a little bit more detail about the product or the service that you're offering. And boom, you've got a, a site that you can start with. That's awesome. It's like a microsite, but everything in the native language of your audience. Yes. And you've already got it in English. So yeah. all you need to do is just translate that, that content. Yeah. We, we used, used to, to get, go ahead, go ahead. We used to get a lot of clients that were calling up saying, can I translate my website? And we'd give them a prize. They'd get sticker shock. And then we'd have the conversation with them. Well, what do you really need? And um, so we flipped that around now. Let's talk about what your needs are. What are you trying to accomplish with this? Okay, these are the pages you probably need to start with. Let's go from there. You can track and, and, and not blow your budget. Of course, of course. And uh, one thing that we've done too is, is translating videos, but not just translating, just creating a version of the five question video, like creating those five questions in the landing page by creating a video in Portuguese, in Spanish. We, were, we used to work with a vacation rental uh, in Orlando that, you know, uh, used, to, used to do a lot of mansions and things like that. And they have a lot of people from Europe and South America. So we did a Spanish version and a Portuguese version uh, of the video. And those videos were had huge engagement and huge click-through rates because everybody wanted to actually listen to someone speaking their language. That's another part of the whole thing. Uh, it's not a, a translation per se, but we had to translate the, the script in order for someone to say it. So it was a, it was a really, really cool project. So why don't we talk a little bit about the difference between... Yeah, wait, before you go yes. off on that, let's talk about video a little bit more because yeah. there's so many ways you can do it if you've produced, you know, so you know you had to get talent that could speak those languages, yeah. you had to recreate it. So it, again, it ended up being expensive. Mm -hmm. um, you can take those videos, translate the script and pop the subtitles on yes. them. So it depends. I mean, you yeah. were talking about a tourism thing. They were probably going to bring in a lot of money. You had a higher budget. You could do that. But if you think about your audience, people are getting internationally, people are more apt to read subtitles because they're used to all the movies coming out of, of Hollywood and doing it. <laughs> um, but people are even in the U.S. are getting used to them because there's so many videos going on now. Mm -hmm. They may not be able to play the sound. So they just scan for what the, the subtitles say. So subtitles are a cheaper way to go. You can voiceover depending on what the video is. And there's a big, huge debate as to whether you um, voice over subtitle movies that are coming out of Hollywood. And there's some interesting stuff on that. Mm -hmm. Or you can, you can transcreate or create a whole new one with, a, with that on there. So again, there's lots of options depending options. on your audience and your goals. That's great. It's funny because I used yeah. to watch all, all movies from when I was a kid. I used to go to the movie theater and you would listen the, to the movie in English with the subtitles in Spanish, which is, again, a, a crazy experience, but that's what everybody does around the world. So um, people are used to it. And now with the internet, 80% of videos are being played without sound anyway. So that's not a big deal. And if they see me moving like this and they have a Spanish or 
any kind Hungarian translation down there, it's going to work anyways, right? So, uh, yeah. so subtitles and closed captions are a great, great option for sure. Uh, I was going to ask you, what's the difference between a translation and an interpretation? Oh, good, good question, because people outside the industry don't know, and in the industry, it has very specific meanings. Translation is written. Mm -hmm. Interpretation is anything spoken. So it's like nails on a chalkboard to me if I'm watching the news and they'll say, you know, the prime minister's translator said, I'm like, no, 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 that would be an interpreter. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we'll get people calling up saying, I need a translator to come to this event. And I'm like, no, you need an interpreter. And then we can dig into what kind. But the one that's getting really interesting is live chat. Chatbots are definitely translation, but live chat is a live person communicating with you on the other side. They're not translating, they're really interpreting, but it's written. So wow. So yeah, that, is a that fun one, one I get a chuckle. Huh? <laughs> that is a fun one for sure. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah wow. So we offer live chat now too. Chatbots are easy. Live chat. Okay. You know, there's it's a different requirement. So how do you do that? Do you have a person that gets the live chat question in that language and it translates it in at that moment and sends it in English to the actual technical person inside the company and then it translates the the response back? Is that the way it works? To actually translate in the live chat would take too much time. Mm -hmm. So this is more like a, a call center service where somebody's trained, they speak the language, you know, they could be bilingual or they could be trained in language. So when questions come in from somebody, they just know how to answer or have the access to the information that's translated that they could answer. So, that, you know, no matter the language, if chat is provided in that, they're getting their quick answers. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. So, um, what happens if you don't speak the language? Because of course, if I request a Spanish, um, you know, translation, I can read it and understand if it's a Spanish for Argentina or if it's more for Spain, I have that background. But if someone doesn't have that background, can, can they check the quality? How do they know that it is a good translation or a great translation or a translation that's going to make sense for Spain or for Argentina? So, you're getting into a lot, a lot of things here. So first off, the client would need to decide if they need a localized translation or a globalized translation. So if you sell Nike soccer balls, if you go, you're going to localize that translation, you mm -hmm. want it very Argentina focused, you want the team colors on there, you want the professionals, and you're going to use the local slang and colloquialisms as a, you know, and if it's in Spain, same thing is going to mm -hmm. happen. Now, if you're selling something that is a part for a manufacturing company, you can globalize that. You can get a good Spanish translation that everybody's going to understand. You know, it's like British English to American English. I can read it. I can understand it. And if it's going to suit my needs, that's not going to put me off because I can understand it's close enough to my local language. So that's localized, that's globalized. So then once you know that, if it's localized, of course, you've got to go to somebody local. Um, now, one of my favorite translators is from Argentina. He's hmm. been here in the United States for years. He's got a PhD in international relations. He's got a master's in theology wow. and he quotes dictionaries to me. So this guy has worked with us for 
30 years. I know his work. I know the compliments that he gets back to him. But it's not unusual for us to do a, have him do a job and send it off to the client. And the client will come back and say, our people reviewed it and it's not a good translation. And wow. you know, the first time I heard this, I did like you. My eyebrows went up, my, my chin dropped, and I went into a little bit of panic. Now what I've learned to say is, okay, go back to the reviewer, have them track changes, and then we're going to have him look at that. So he'll look at it, and sometimes it's, ah, uh, you know, they use the word dinner instead of the word supper, where mm -hmm. in the United States they're interchangeable. Sometimes, um, sometimes they change the grammar. So he's actually quoted grammar dictionaries at me and told me why it wouldn't be right. <laughs> um, other times the reviewer may not be fully, fully bilingual, so they don't understand the message that's going on. And other times you've got, we've seen this with community groups that are reviewing it, they feel like they have to put their touch on it. Mm -hmm. And so they've actually changed the meaning as to what the original was. Mm -hmm. So we look at translation like writing that, you know, the more qualified eyes that you have on it, the better, because that's how you're going to get a, a better project. And we do, we have our translators always review any edits or changes because we want to hold a final copy because we do carry a liability insurance policy. Mm -hmm. So if there's ever any question, we can say which translation we provided, but it also allows us to learn what people's preferences are so we can capture them in the future. So this is the process you go through. If you want to make sure it's absolutely correct, use a professional translator. If you go through an agency, they should guide you to who's good. You keep the same, same translator on all your work, particularly in marketing, because you, you have a, a, a voice. And so you wouldn't have a different writer for all your stuff, so you want to have a voice. Then you have an equally tr qualified editor go through it because sometimes um, you'll have the, orig the original will have a dual meaning mm -hmm. and the translator could read it one way and the editor could read it another. Like um, we did a tagline for a hospital. It's all about getting better. Mm -hmm. well, in other languages, you need to have a subject. So was it all about the hospital getting better or was it all about the patient getting better. In English, you could have the double meaning, but the translation you couldn't. So there we could go back to the client and say, hey, translator said this, editor said this, which way would you like to go? And we could explain that. That's great. Then after you have the editor, run it through your internal folks, make sure they're fully bilingual. I'm just getting ready to do a video for this for a resource center about when you are asked to review a translation, this is what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. You know, look for industry-specific words or company-specific words, or if you've used vocab translated vocabulary before, you put it in. Then that review goes back to the original translator so they can review and agree or disagree with anything. And then you, as the client, can hear about anything that was disagreed on, and we can come up with a strategy to handle it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, I heard that you're writing a book. Do you mind sharing what the book is going to be about? It is called <laughs> Global Marketing or Global Inbound. I haven't decided yet, but I'm down to my last chapter. <laughs> and so I'm hoping it'll publish and release by the end of this year, the beginning of next year. Um, and it, it really is for people who are accidental exporters or people who have gotten their toe into global marketing and need to know how to handle all these questions that come up. 
of course of course that's awesome and we'll we'll definitely share links and everything to to the book as soon as it comes out so um let's go a, a little bit to the other side of translations you know we've been talking about translators and 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 human translation and there's always the question you know do i use technology you know how has technology you know is technology going to replace humans in translation are there any problems with machine translations? And of course, we, we are seeing AI and machine learning evolving very quickly. So what have you seen out there and what are, what are some of the aspects of translations that are important either on the machine learning side of things or the human side of things? Yeah, so long-term machines can't replace humans. And mm -hmm. there's a couple of reasons for that. One is the, the hidden meaning behind things behind things, the emotions behind it, the colloquialisms, the new words that are coming out all the time. And so there's there's a lot behind it that machines just can't grasp. Mm -hmm. Now, when Google Translate came out 10 years ago, the industry went through a bit of a panic and said, is this going to replace us? And so I was, you know, five, six years into owning the company and got a little bit worried. But what we found out is it didn't eliminate the need for high quality human translators. What it did was elevate um, access to translation. Mm -hmm. So there for a while, we didn't completely understand why humans were still needed, but we could still see that people were coming to us for quality translations. Now what we have is more of a structured understanding as to where tr machine translation can be used and where it shouldn't be used. Mm -hmm. And, and you've seen companies that use it originally and then they use humans to fix that. Like, what, what is your experience with that? Is that something that's happening and it's going to happen more and more that they use machine learning or, you know, uh, computerized translations and then they use just someone to review it? Uh, how, how do you feel about that? What's the difference between that and having an actual human that translates something in their native language? So where machine translation works well is if you're an attorney that is going into a global case and you've got a room full of boxes of discovery that you've got to figure out what parts are pertinent, you can run that through machine translation and you can pull that out. Mm -hmm. um, we had a client that um, sells toys and all of a sudden one of his toy was flying off the shelves and he was getting orders from Japan and he couldn't figure out why. And he found out that it was from this website. Well, he, he called me up, hey, never thought I'd have a chance to use your services, but can you translate this website and tell me what they're saying about this toy that's making it sell? And I looked at it and I'm like, you know, Ken, this is gonna cost over $2,000. I don't think you're gonna wanna spend that. And he's like, no, no, no way. I said, here's what you need to do. Go run it through Google Translate, find the part about the toy, and then bring that back to us. And what he found on Google Translate is it said it stimulated the ass part of the brain. Didn't make sense. So he could bring that back and it was some, you know, rear cortex or yeah. frontal cortex or whatever, whatever the technical term was. Um, and, and so then he got just what he needed. So that's where machine translations made it more accessible. One other place that I see it in marketing is um, if you have content like TripAdvisor, mm -hmm. where you're always listing number of bedrooms, number of bathrooms, um, you know, number of rooms, 
um, sleeps however many, that content is reused over and over again. So you could use um, machine translation for that. And actually it's translation memory, which we can use in, in the field. Translate, so machine translation is something you pop in, spit out. Mm -hmm. Translation memory is more of a tool that's used by translators. So say you have a disclaimer that you put on the bottom of every brochure, Mm -hmm. We can translate it once and keep it in uh, translation memory, and then it'll be consistent all the time, and we're not right. retranslating it over and over again. Mm -hmm. Okay, now say you have that brochure, and you, you, you run it through machine translation, you bring it to us, and I take it to Carlos, my Argentinian translator. He'll go, ah, this was done by a machine. It's harder to edit it than it is to retranslate it. Mm -hmm. So that's where the quality is. Of course, of course, and and then the layers of quality and the editors and all that stuff. So uh, why I and I understand the difference and and the limitations, but why wouldn't people put the Google Translate plugin? T tell me some of those horror stories that you have that are so funny. But uh, I I understand that there are limitations, but sometimes it's like well, I don't need to translate my whole website. I can just put the Google Translate button and it's going to be fine. At the end of the day, I don't need people to know exactly everything. I just need to need them to understand what I do. So what are some of the problems that you've seen when that when that is being used? Okay, so I'm getting ready to write a whole big article with a ton of examples on this. And there's already some, you know, um, scholarly articles on why machine translation can't do it. Okay, mm -hmm. so one problem you have is you can't, um, it doesn't capture the cultural differences. Mm -hmm. So for example, here in the United States, I've heard it a lot is, you know, we've been going through COVID, is when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Well, mm -hmm. I made a post about this online and one of my um, LinkedIn friends from Nigeria got back and he, he laughed and he said, we don't say that. We say, when um, life gives you peppers, make pepper soup. <laughs> okay, so there is no way that Google could ever take lemons into peppers and, and catch that analogy. So that's one of them. Now, in Spanish, if I say hay leche, Mm -hmm. To you, what does that mean? There's milk. Okay. And mm -hmm. with regard to a mother, what does it mean? I don't remember. Are you lactating? Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, because of yes. milk uh, reference. Yes. Yes. So if you put I leche into Google Translate, it comes mm -hmm. back with there is milk. <laughs> well, when the milk, you know, society or campaign for getting people to drink milk, put a big milk. billboard up with I leche, <laughs> the Spanish speakers in LA started laughing because they said, it said, you know, with the big beautiful picture of somebody and their milk mustache, are you lacking? It didn't make sense. So again, Google can't translate that. Mm -hmm. um, so those are some of the things that it does wrong. Um, and the reason it does that is because there's hidden meanings behind so much of what we say. And there's new words uh, that are added all the time. So if you think about Zoom exhaustion, yeah, 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 you think yeah. about selfie, and you think about ERB and like LOL, mm -hmm. all these are words that are added in to um, the dictionary. There's like hundreds of words added in every quarter and I've heard up to 3,000 words a year can mm -hmm. be added. And I, you know, I, 
I have it around here somewhere, but a dictionary from the 1920s, and it's so small. You know, <laughs> now you hold a dictionary, you, you know, it's your computer. Yeah, there's, there's also like brand names that include regular words, and those regular words in Google are translated as a word instead of keeping it as a name. Uh, we have a customer that care is part of their name and all of a sudden what it was translated into uh, the word caring from caring and not from the actual name of the company so that's another example of translations in google that will again it works but at the end of the day you're losing the name of the company uh because half of it is being translated into another language so those are those are definitely not situations and you start losing the messaging right because at the end of the day that's that's it if if you if it's just words that's one thing and you need to understand but uh, if there's messaging behind it like you said the meaning you lose the meaning of what they were trying to convey yes yes yeah we had that we were doing the um there was a campaign for staples when they had the make more happen slogan mm -hmm. They were taking the more out and they were putting different things in. So make work happen. Mm -hmm. And one of them was make refrigerator art happen. I love this example. <laughs> Our French translator got it, you know, for France. And she's like, refrigerator art? That's not a thing in France. The refrigerator is for keeping food cold. <laughs> so we could go back to Staples and saying, it's not worth translating this. You know, whether right. you use Google or a person you know, that's going to make a big difference because it, it was cultural. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Now, here's another pet peeve mm -hmm. about the Google Translate plugin. Okay. So when you have the plugin, most people put it down on the bottom of their site. Mm -hmm. So say you don't speak Chinese and you come across a Chinese site and you want to get the gist of it. You can't even find where the plugin is. So you've lost them right there. Now, say you do scroll to the bottom of the page and you recognize the Google logo and you click the drop down box and you get into the languages. The languages aren't translated. So you'd have to know what the characters for English are in Chinese to navigate to the English oh, you're page. Kidding. I didn't even think about that. Yes. So, so yes. it doesn't, it, it translates the languages into the language. So a person in that in that language can actually understand the different languages instead of actually having it in their native language. Yes. Oh, that's insane. That is yes. insane. insane. Drives me crazy. So best practices are to put a globe on the top right-hand side of your website so anybody recognizes what that is. And then when you have your drop-down, make sure that you're translating the languages. Now, if you localize something back to the soccer balls, you're getting, you, you'd translate the country names to put them in there. But if you're doing a globalize, you could just translate the language. That's awesome. Wendy, this has been amazing. A lot of information, so important, again, in a global world and a growing world that everything's going online and on the internet. Businesses need to think about these things. And, and these are a lot of opportunities. Thank you for sharing all of this. Anything else you want to share? This is your moment. I appreciate being on here. And I guess the timing was good because my son just started mowing the lawn out there. I don't know if you heard it. 
No, all good, all good, all good. Any... Muchas gracias. No, muchas gracias a ti, por favor. Thank you very much for coming here and sharing all this information. We'll share your website and all the resources that you've talked about. Uh, and thank you again, Wendy, for, for sharing everything with everybody. Have a great one, okay? Okay, thank Take you. Take care, stay safe, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. This episode of MarTech Masters was produced and edited by Nextiny Marketing. To watch the series, visit our website at nextinymarketing.com. Subscribe to our channel to keep up to date with the latest news from our friends and MarTech Masters.